Hey Gem, uh, welcome to Learning with Bless podcast. Um, thanks for um, joining me today. How, how are you doing today? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Looking forward to this one. Yeah, I'm excited too. Yeah, so you know, you have your own podcast, so you're a fellow, fellow podcaster. Uh, you're a health nut and also a digital content producer. Uh, and this is how we met through your content producing uh, quite a number of years, probably about over 10 years now, isn't it? It's so, been a while, definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, can you tell our listeners your journey and how you got into content producing? So I think initially for me, um, I went to university with not much clue on exactly what I wanted to study. I just wanted to do something I enjoyed. And so when I was flicking through the actual catalogue of the university, I saw this uh, course called Contemporary Media Production, and it kind of covered a lot of ground. So it was like whether it was writing, photography, video, graphics, it was a bit of everything. And so initially mm. I was like, oh, amazing. That sounds quite fun. Plus, it means I can learn a lot of different skills quickly. And um, it means that when I come out, I can decide which one I just which one I enjoy the most, and I can go into that. And mm. then literally, I came out of university, and initially, my idea was kind of to um, like uh, go into like the BBC or Channel Four. And I was thinking, yeah, I'll work in television. And then when I came out of university, um, I realised there was lots of different sort of digital marketing jobs around. And initially, everyone called it mm. digital marketing because it was like, oh wow, it's like you do your marketing through web-based applications like Facebook or mm. Google Ads, or you're making content for YouTube. And it seemed that a lot of companies were looking for those sort of skills because it was very early days back then. And so initially, I thought, you know what, I had a bit of a struggle trying to find jobs. And I thought, you know what, mm. maybe I'll give this digital content stuff a go. I got an internship at V Inspired and then I, um, which is where I met you actually, when yes. you were actually making some content for you mm. uh, around what you were doing in terms of entrepreneurship. And um, yeah, that internship turned into a role. And then in that role, I just got to learn a lot about digital content. And obviously, um, the young people were the ones watching the content. And so mm. I, was, I, I was quite young myself back then. And it was kind of like, it was just a bit of fun just putting out loads of different content for this company. And they were very flexible with what I put out. And so I just learned my skills through that, really. And then, obviously, um, I was probably at uh, V Inspired for a few years. And then I realized, mm -hmm. actually, there's a lot of people asking me for my skills, whether it's video work, whether it's Facebook ads, whether it was taking some photos for their Instagram. Mm -hmm. And I started growing up my own sort of um, client base on the side. And so I was working. And then I had about two or three different like small businesses I was working for. And eventually those small business kept creeping up and it became something that I actually thought, you know what, maybe I can go self-employed and I can turn this into a sort of digital content role that I just manage a lot of different small businesses. Mm. And um, obviously with content and digital, it changes so fast. And because I was working with so many different businesses, I was seeing the full spectrum of what the needs were and it, I was keeping on top of it. And so my client base grew well and uh, used my network to keep getting new clients. And then, um, yeah, that kind of led on to my uh, business, which I then started using mm. my digital content skills and then had to change again from being self-employed to actually running my own business. That's interesting, yeah. Now, can you reflect on your university experience and how has that contributed or supported you in developing a career in content producing? Um, I think university was good because it gave me sort of like a broad spectrum of different skills. As I said, like one one minute we're writing scripts, the next minute we're filming a short film, the next minute we're making a documentary, then we're doing a photography project. And one of the good things with my university was that a lot of the time they would work with local small businesses. And so they would mm -hmm. use the skills of the actual uh, students 
to then go and produce content um, for small businesses in the area. And those small businesses would put up like a little £300 budget for a short film they want to promote their products. And so mm. that was kind of really good in terms of giving me opportunities to actually work with small businesses, learn what they want and kind of like test my skills. They knew I was a student, so their expectations weren't super high. But they were also just kind of like, actually, we can get some content quite cheaply. And it, let, it allowed me to sort of test. And also, I know from my university, there was also lots of different competitions that were on where you could win prizes for like short film contests, writing contests and stuff like that. So for me, looking back, I wish I'd done more of that, definitely. And I just think mm. that if, if, if your university aren't kind of like putting those opportunities in front of you, a good thing to do is actually just to reach out with a lot of um companies within your area and whether that's producing content for free for their mm. instagram for their youtube or whatever else but just kind of honing your skills because a lot of the time you come out of university and you've got you've got this you've got what you think is the skill sets but actually applying it to an actual business perspective and meeting the client's needs is a very different thing to writing an essay and filling out making a film based on some sort of like theory so you mm. kind of really want to get that sort of practical hands-on experience so working as close to the sort of the businesses as you can especially if there's a certain role you're going after if it means you want to get a facebook role or you want a google analytics role or something like that i feel like as long as you can get some experience where you've done that for a company whilst you're at university plus mm. it could like up with a job with that company but at the same time, it's just you're kind of building up your own confidence in doing something and you've got something to show to your employee that, yeah, I have actually applied my degree to actually find myself a job. Mm, that's cool. Yeah. So what would you say is one thing you wish you had known uh, before you got into content producing? Um, I think in some ways, the fact that I didn't know too much was kind of a positive back then because it was such a new area. But I think the things that I definitely wish I, I knew was probably, like I say, it's that business application. I think people have a passion for making content. And sometimes you could be a bit too, I don't know, kind of strict on yourself in the kind of content that you expect. Like you want it to be very high end. You want to spend two weeks creating a piece of content. But actually in the sort of digital content space, in the marketing space, it's not sometimes the best content what you think you spend the most time on is not always the most uh, like shared or liked or actual mm. bit of content that goes viral. It's often the ones you don't expect. And so there's it's always like tweaking it. But yeah, I think sometimes just thinking that you need to be at a certain level too soon, like you want it to be looking amazingly good or you want the perfect lighting. I think the digital content space is not like the sort of like film and TV space. It doesn't have mm. to be super polished. But as long as you're kind of got a solid story or a bit of content that you know is going to engage your audience. So, yeah, mm. I, think, I, I think the greatest thing with content anyway is that you can just put out a lot of stuff and you can see what kind of clicks with the audience. And it kind of mm. it kind of knocks you in the right direction. And I know with my own business, I manage all the social media content. Some things that I go and pay someone a thousand pound to produce a great video. Mm. And then I take a picture of myself on my phone and then I see the engagement and how one goes viral or not. It just it's very hard to sort of always know what works um and so it's always a bit of a testing ground as well mm. now i want you to think back uh in the early days when you started in content producing uh, what are some of the challenges or the biggest challenges you faced uh, and what did you learn from that challenge um i guess some of the challenges is obviously 
when I was doing it, I was very much sort of like a one man band. So I would be doing the filming, I would do the audio recording, I would do everything. And I think it's quite hard initially to kind of have to do a bit of everything. I kind of call it like a jack of all trades, but mm. at the same time, it was a role that was quite important. And I think for yeah, for like new people getting into the content space, it's quite expensive actually. Like to buy all the equipment, all the all the certain bits and pieces, the lenses, the the gear is quite pricey, especially if you're not if you're going off on your own back and you're doing it. So that was quite a bit of a challenge. And so for me, it was kind of like start off as cheaply as I could, even though like the cameras I'm, I probably used at the beginning, my iPhone now is probably way better than it. And obviously things have evolved, so actually the prices come down a lot of those things, but. I think as well, you just got to start with like what you've got and like, don't worry about too much about having the latest camera or the best equipment. Mm -hmm. Like I say, like it doesn't always have to be super polished. It's more about the actual content itself and whether that clicks and the story behind it. And yeah, I think that that's kind of like a, a challenge you have. And obviously it takes a lot of time sometimes to produce stuff, especially when I was doing video content, the editing took forever, but like the more you do it, the faster you get and you start to, you start to film with the editing in mind ahead of time. So you're not even before I used to just film so much content and then have to figure out which bits I'm going to chop out of this four hours worth of content I got. And then mm. by the end, it was more like I'm shooting as I'm, as I'm visualizing how I'm editing. And so that kind of helped me to be a little bit more concise with what I filmed rather than just film everything and then have to dig through it all at the end. Mm. Now, um, a lot of people that work in content producing that sort of in their gig economy, which we're going to go through, we're going to talk about later, later on. But um, as you were getting started, you were sort of like a self-employed uh, person as well. And just reflect back on some of the resources that, that you use and some of the support network. What resources did you have uh, in place and what support network did you have to help you build up your sort of your career in content producing? um i think for me a lot of the time i was uh i was involved in a lot of like forums and stuff like that i also followed a lot of uh instagram channels of the content i actually enjoyed and like liked watching or if there was like video styles or certain people i liked watching i would just look at that style but also there was like um there's a lot of like courses you can do online i can't off the top of my head i can't remember some of them but there's like a lot of uh um these sort of I think it was called Skillshare actually. Skillshare was a very mm. cheap way that I was actually just like watching new content. So if I wanted to get into, I remember at one point I wanted to get into animation and like it weren't like, like it's not like Pixar animation, but it's more like After Effects, just making graphics come into screen. And I think uh, I didn't know how to do that at university and I'd never learned that at university. So mm. I was always like, okay, well, where's the, where can I find like really cheap or low cost courses? So YouTube was obviously excellent in terms of like, if I wanted to color grade something or color correct something, or there was a certain effect that I wanted to create, I would also, I would try out YouTube but at the same time. I'd be willing to say, go on skills, Skillshare, pay like 30 pound and have a really sort mm. of uh, like a nice course that I can work my way through so I think you can in terms of like digital skills nowadays anyway like I think you can learn a lot for free initially but obviously mm. paying for these like low-cost uh, courses on like Skillshare or there's lots of other sort of a short uh, short courses you can do whether it's Google Ads Facebook Ads um, how to learn Photoshop stuff like that I was just always willing to keep learning and I think because it changes so often like one minute like I, I, I remember when it was a massive craze where your uh, Facebook page used to have a banner that you could make clickable if you knew how to do HTML. And it was kind of like, <laughs> that was like a hack back in the day. Now, nobody even cares about their Facebook banner. And it was kind of like a little way you can get people to click 
through on your Facebook page to your website. So there's always these little tiny like uh, hacks that are always ongoing or happening or you see like on, on say uh, Instagram, they add some new feature, whether it's like polls or or people can ask you questions. I think it's really good to continue to kind of like learn where things are heading. There's also mm -hmm. like, um, I think there's one a website called Social Media Examiner. There's loads of blogs that like I just constantly have on some sort of like Google alert or I have like a, I, have a, I use an app called Feedly and it allows me to kind of like feed in all the websites that I'm interested in, I can categorize them. So every day I'll go, okay, well, what's the latest in marketing news or what's the latest sort of like social media, uh, uh, like changes, what has happened or who's changed an algorithm, who's done something. And so if you're going to be in the content space, I feel like you have to know where the market's at and you have to constantly, mm -hmm. it's not like a, once you've learned it, you're done. It's one of those things that you're constantly learning about or, or these, these, uh, social media platforms are changing so often the algorithms mm -hmm. change the way they the what what they what you could do last week you can't do this week and so it's one of those things that actually often yeah you could the content is hard enough or takes it be what you think is the most time consuming thing but it's actually how you then put that content onto the mm -hmm. certain platforms and do that correctly like people you see on instagram when they add hashtags and then people are like wait do they you do get like um in trouble if you put too many hashtags or too little hashtags which hashtag should i put and so sometimes it's not always about the actual con the content you're producing, but actually the tactics behind how you're actually putting it out. Mm -hmm. Now, before we go into a lot of a lot of detail around the evolution of content producing, uh, just tell me a bit about the business that you're currently running at the moment. So the business I'm running is now a restaurant, which is surprisingly because I never thought I'd be in the food business. Um, we run a uh, vegan kebab business called What the Pitter in London. And in about, I think we started in 2016, it's 2020 now, I think we've, we've got five sites. So it's been quite a fast growth business. And, and, I, and I put a lot of that down to my actual content producing and my marketing skills that I learned before that working for smaller businesses and obviously working for my old role. Mm. And I feel like just nowadays, like it, it's, it's, it's like before you had to spend a lot of marketing, you had to think about like getting on TV or getting some big banner up. And I think now the smaller guys can actually like grow businesses by knowing how to market. Like I always say to people, like even with like creating a new business, if you can just learn how to do like Instagram ads or if you can learn how to do Facebook ads or Google ads and you know these things well, you can kind of like start very lean and use these sort of platforms to see if you've actually got a market. And so, like I say, with my business, it was it was just like using content, using my own my own skills in marketing. And also like a big part of that was like influencers, which is a huge part of the content game and how you use influencers to actually uh, get your content out there. So, yeah, it was it, for me, that is one of the key parts of how our business is growing and continues to grow is just making sure that we're in front of people through content and like mm. i post every day i post stories every day like i engage with all my audience on like anyone who comments i answer all the messages myself personally and it's it's something that i really like i'm holding on for as long as possible where i don't give it to somebody else because i've been doing it long enough where i think i've got good skills and i've got a certain touch it's my business i care about those customers and so it's a bit different for me in terms of I don't want to just hire an agency right now or mm. potentially getting somebody else to take that role off of me because I feel like it is such an important one in terms of growing a business, especially in this sort of time and day where people people tend to be looking at YouTube, be looking at Instagram or be on their Facebook. So you, it's, 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 so, it's so vital for a business right now. 
Mm. And what would be your advice for um, young people that have a, a, an entrepreneurial idea that they want to pursue? What, what would be your advice for taking the idea forward? Um, like As I say, because obviously I have a business now, so a lot of my friends are always asking me, like, oh, I've had this idea, I've had this, like, this idea, and they always think straight away they go to how much it's going to cost them to begin and i always say to them well what's the like leanest version of that obviously blessed i'm sure you've rest, read these books like lean startup and mm. uh, the hundred dollar startup and books like that i think are so important for people to read initially because mm -hmm. when you start up you start talking yourself out of it because of how much you think you're gonna have to spend or time up front but i will say to people i always use like a, a t-shirt company as an example because a lot of people want to go into like fashion and i say well what you could do is pay somebody on Fiverr to design up the T-shirt that you want to create. And mm. then you don't even have to buy those T-shirts. What you could do is that person's going to create a mock-up of what that T-shirt is going to like. That person can probably superimpose your T-shirt onto an actual model that looks real. And then you could then put that out on your Instagram feed and you could put some Facebook, then you can put some advert spend on it, whether that's five pound, then you can send them to a PayPal shopping cart, which is free to set up. And if that person clicks through and then they buy that t-shirt, you've kind of like tested your business in a very lean way with all you've spent is the cost of the designer, which will probably cost you like less than $10 to get a mock-up of your, your t-shirt. And you've spent about $5 on your, uh, your Instagram ads. If people are clicking through, even if they're not even purchasing, even if clicking through, it means that person was interested in that T-shirt. Maybe they went, clicked through, and suddenly they saw you had a PayPal link and not a legit website. But what that's showing you straight away is that there's interest in that product. And I think there's many businesses like that you can actually test super lean, where most people's old way of thinking is, well, I want to make a T-shirt. Um, I'm going to pay a designer hundreds of pounds to create the design. Then I'm going to get uh, go to a T-shirt printing company. Oh, the minimum order is a thousand T-shirts. Okay, I'm going to buy a thousand T-shirts. They're going to sit in my house, and then I'm going to create the website, and then I'm going to try sell them, and then I'm going to hope that like people find my website. And so it's like that's a very old way of thinking about it. So when I think of businesses, I just go, how do you test as quickly as possible? And we applied that principle to our own business when we were creating our food business. We um, had a roll in monthly contract we had a very prime spot in Shoreditch and we just said look we'll do this for a month mm. worst comes to worst we'll just close it down yeah we had to pay a little bit for the equipment but initially it was like well this isn't like a, a long uh, business testing it is literally how do we how do we see if there's customers who want this product as quickly as possible spending as little as possible um, and then see if it actually has legs because then if it, if it is and you haven't spent much and you're seeing some hope then why not then you're going to be willing to put a little bit more money in and actually maybe pull in the expertise but i just think nowadays you can test a lot of things super lean mm. yeah it's really good that you recommended the the lean startup uh, it's quite a really good book you've got entrepreneurial and tech technology startup ideas uh, that you want to pursue it's a really good book uh, to look into uh, now let's talk about the evolution of content producing i know content producing has changed uh, marketing is always changing due due to technology and artificial intelligence. Uh, can you reflect on your experience when you started in content producing? And um, how was it like then? And what are the fundamental changes that have happened since then? I think one of the biggest changes is obviously initially the conduct the the software that I used to use, whether it was Photoshoot, um, Photoshop, whether it was Premiere Pro, whether it was uh, all these different sort of technologies that are super high end to create content. 
nowadays you can literally like there's so many apps like i think one that's great example is like canva which is super cheap to use but it can pretty much do what uh, photoshop can do but in a very sort of like minimalistic way and often sometimes mm -hmm. that's enough and same for like editing software now you will see these like uh, new apps that show up on your instagram feed that you can apply these crazy filters to your photos and turn your photos into videos and I think for me, that's been the sort of biggest uh, switch that I've seen is the fact that before you had to be highly skilled in terms of like certain software, whereas now there's a lot of stuff that kind of does those little hacks for you. Mm -hmm. And even in terms of like content producing, like I used to use an app called Buffer. And even back in the day, like before you'd have to tweet yourself manually at certain times of day and then technology came in that would then schedule your tweets or schedule your Instagram posts or schedule when you're... Uh, your YouTube video goes out and stuff like that. And I think um, for new content uh, producers, I would just be saying, well, if you're, if you want to upskill as quick as possible, you also got to think about like what skills are like vital and what skills are just ones that would be nice. So if you just need to reshape uh, a pictures here and there to match the different social media platforms, maybe Canva's enough for you. If you want to get really fancy and do some crazy animations, do you need to learn um, after effects or at the same time do you want to be super smart and do you want to just find somebody who already knows it and you you find them through say i don't know one of these uh these platforms who who will do it for like on on fiverr they'll create a graphic for you for like five dollars or they'll create the photo for you for five dollars and it's like it just depends where you want to what you want to do if you want to if you love the art of content producing yeah maybe you do want to learn these softwares inside out but if you see yourself as more as like yeah i love doing content producing but if anything, I'd rather outsource a lot of the actual production work. And then I, I feel like I have an eye for what works, but I'm not so keen on being the person that actually creates it. Then that's another option as well, because I do think the prices have come down. What what used to cost hundreds of pounds for a certain looking photo, you can download mm. an app that costs one ninety nine, and it will do it for you. So I just think you've got to be, like, as I say, being on top of what's available nowadays and uh, the expectations of the uh, customer of your of the whoever whichever business you're trying to create content for what are their needs does it really need to be super high-end does it really need to be super fancy maybe they're happy with a a simple animation that you pay five dollars for someone else to produce mm. and how do you see content creation changing in the future or what would you like to see uh, being developed in the future um, I'm quite interested, obviously, with all this like augmented reality, uh, virtual reality. Uh, I think the other day I was watching a Vice documentary and it was a 3D video. So those things kind of excite me because I'm like, oh, that's a new way of doing something because obviously certain things become saturated. Like I think even even like a, an example the other day, like uh, I saw somebody like did a post on Instagram and he kind of did it in a way that made it look kind of 3D within Instagram. So it was the fact that like the, the the product was actually like bursting out of the scene in the way they did it on 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 Photoshop, which looked really creative. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. Maybe I'll do that with my vegan kebabs that we do. And and I did that design. And it's kind of like I just like when people get creative with what the pl the platform's capable of doing. And so I always like how how new things come. Yeah, you can just share a picture of your food, or you can kind of just do the what's always expected. Or what you could do is actually go, okay, well, this is the limitations of the platform how can I do something that stands out? And so it's another example, just like like TikTok now. 
like as a business owner i'm looking at tiktok and i'm hearing loads of people jumping on it but i'm like well i see a lot of people dancing and mm. all this kind of like and then my little brother who's a youtuber he was like no no no, you could do it for your business but maybe instead of like thinking about dancing why don't you just do like really cool funky like recipe videos on tiktok mm. and he was like look film this and i'll put it together and he put it together on tiktok for me and it got like a few thousand views and i was like see that's where obviously i've been in the game i've been doing it for a while now so you can get complacent mm. but then there's other people who are young who know a platform inside out and yeah i probably should be in tiktok more often and looking at these new platforms coming out but obviously i also have a whole business to run but i think for anyone coming into it you just gotta like look at these new platforms right now and just say well how can i apply if, if i'm the first one on tiktok to create this type of content for a business like straight away that might be enough to get you a job if you're incredible at one thing really well and you do it in a special way or maybe you're the go-to within tiktok for a certain type of video which then loads of businesses want something similar and they'll pay you for it so i do i do think it is more about just like looking at the uh, constant evolution of content yeah there's always going to be that pillow content that people are always gonna always going to engage with where it's just a photo of a delicious looking meal for example on instagram but then there's also what platforms are cropping up and how can you do something new within them mm. now staying on on you know the future of content producing and um, how has uh, covid19 affected or, or affected the um the content producing sector are there any positives or negatives uh, that have happened uh, due to covid19 um for me i don't think there's been any sort of like negative like it's not impacted it directly but what i would say is that i, I said this to loads of people i was like if you're not like posting content during covid you're missing probably the biggest opportunity of your lifetime because really right now everybody's eyes are on instagram or on their social media channels because yeah they're number one they could be bored number two they're looking for answers they're looking for some sort of like they want to know what's going on they want information so in terms of like focus like of people on their devices i'm sure if you looked at the stats of how much mobile usage went up during or like time on screens whilst people were during this whole covid thing i reckon right now there's so many people watching more and more content as i say my younger brother's a youtuber and uh he's seen a huge spike in the amount of people watching his videos because people have got time on their hands whether they're furloughed or working from home or depending on where which part of the market whether it's uh, your if your audience is young people and they're not at school so in terms of the content game i think like there's never been a better time to produce content because so many people are actually have their eyes on it but post covid i still think it's, it's it's something that's ingrained in our society it's not like I'm sure you woke up this morning and checked your phone. I know I did. And mm. I jump, I do my, I do my routine over the different platforms. I go from one to the other, check my LinkedIn, check my Instagram, check my email. So I think that's kind of ingrained in people's minds now. And I don't see that going away anytime soon. Maybe the platforms change slightly, but I just think that's become part of our lives as we become sort of like digitally mm. <laughs> integrated with our, with our technology. Mm. Now, this podcast is targeted at young people that might be in school or college or, or under 25. Um, what's your advice for someone that's interested in getting into uh, content producing? Um, I think what you've got to realise is probably that you are a content producer, even if you say, well, 
um like it's a, as a serious professional role ultimately you are a content producer anytime you post a picture on your uh, on your instagram or you make a video for tiktok there's an element of content producing there the question then is whether you want to turn it into something that you want to make money from or you see it as a role whether that's becoming an influencer whether that's creating content for a business or whether that's actually creating your own business and creating content I just feel like right now it's an ideal skill in all ways because even if you want a role in a in a normal job, maybe just producing a couple of uh, blog content for LinkedIn around a certain subject might land you a role in a particular field because it's the way that people find you nowadays. So I think you've just got to look at what what you want to get from the content and just understand that like it can help any any area of the life that, of your life that you want to go into. And it's just one of those things that it's, it's one of those skills that's going to stay now. People, it's requirement. Everybody's producing their own content. Everybody's watching content. And I feel like it is now a way of being like a gateway into uh, into anything, basically. Like, like you said, you've created a podcast. You can now open up your network or reconnect with people in your network. Mm. I had a, I have a podcast and that podcast has allowed me to connect with people who usually I wouldn't be able to talk to. So I don't think people always have to look at content as like a, a an end goal. Like a, I want I want to work for a company doing content producing, but actually mm. is content is content the way to actually open the doors for the career that you want to go into or is content a way that you can become your own boss and you can create content as an influencer? Um, so it's just it's just how you want to approach it, but ultimately it's a skill set that I only think is going to become more and more valuable over time. Mm. Now you mentioned uh, you know influencer there. Um, can you just talk me through around what influencer marketing is, uh, just to give an idea to young people that might want to pursue a career in influencer marketing. Yeah, for example, like, I, I'm quite lucky, really, because my I've got a younger brother who's a YouTuber, does really well. And I've got a younger sister who she she's kind of moved away from it. But she's an Instagrammer and she's got like over 100K followers. My little brother's got nearly a million followers on on YouTube. Wow. And um, both of them were doing it as their well, my brother is doing it as his full time career, makes very good money. And my little sister, she gets paid sometimes up to like 500 pounds for like one post on Instagram. And so these sort of things and I'm, I'm not going to say that's something that happens overnight I know my sister mm -hmm. did it for probably over maybe five to six years and my little brother he's now he's in his early 20s and he's been making YouTube videos since he was about 11 years old so it just shows over the time those content it's not something that I think everybody should aspire to especially if if the main reason is to make money but I think if you're passionate about making content that's valuable and interesting mm -hmm. to people then I think like an influencer it is a career choice that is possible nowadays, but you've got to treat it like a business as well and understand that it doesn't happen overnight and it takes a certain level of skill and talent and time. So, and yeah, so basically an example of a, an influencer applied to say a business is say when I was creating my uh, um, my vegan business, um, there was a lot of people who had huge amounts of followings in the vegan space. So one example was, um, um, some guys called Bosch on Instagram where they made recipe videos like vegan recipe videos they happened to come down to one of our stores this was actually not, not a paid influence thing they just came down off their own backs after hearing about us being like a new place in London they made a video of our shop and they already had like nearly a million subscribers themselves they put a video out for us and that video got like 1.5 million views and the next day we had queues of like hundreds of people in our store so that's the power of an influencer and so if someone is either wants to become an influencer or use an influencer the, the the case like 
at the end of the day, it's a new marketing channel. If you're an influencer in a certain niche, for example, obviously my stuff is vegan food. There's a lot of people who do great vegan uh, cooking recipes or they've got great vegan pictures or they've got a YouTube channel about bodybuilding that's about vegan. So the good thing about being an influencer is there's so many niches you can go into. And if you become known for that niche, then, yeah, you're going to have people who are going to message you and say, hey, can I send you a free product? Hey, can you take a photo and I'll pay you this much? Hey, can you come to this event? Like so. It is a legit career. I do think it's one of those ones that seems really like it's like when you're young and you want to be a footballer. It's one of those things like, wow, I can just do Instagram and make a load of money or I can mm. sit on YouTube and play games, and make a load of money. It's not as it's not as simple as just that. It's not something you can just go, oh, I'll, I'll, overnight it happens. It's something that takes a lot of time, a lot of thought, a lot of commitment and a lot of time and effort. So it's definitely a viable career. It's just don't go in, in it thinking, oh, it's going to happen quickly. Like you, you could create content like my brother did for many years and not see anything. And then all of a sudden, right after 10 years later, he starts making very good money from it. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, when it comes to content producing, what, what's more important? Is it about skills development or is it more about the education or is it a matter of having a bit of both uh, to develop your career in, in this sector? Um, as I say, I think it is, is a bit of both because, yeah, the basis, the basics are like knowing how to produce content, whether that's like, as I say, taking nice photos or creating cool videos. But then the other side of it is like the theory, like I say, the tactics behind it. But most mm-hmm. importantly, is just knowing like why you're producing a piece of content. Like why, what's, what's the goal? What's the, who are you trying to move? Who are you trying to like engage with? So I do think it's a bit of both. I, I do think, yeah, you just got to see it in that sort of holistic way. Mm-hmm. And what can young people be doing now that are still in education to develop uh, some of these skills and to stand out uh, in a market that many young people want to go into? I think being like young and if you're at school and you're, you're producing content, like I say my little brother who's a YouTuber now, he started making content when he was in like year seven. And initially, obviously, he weren't thinking about that being a career or how many doors that could potentially open for him. He was doing it because it's something he enjoyed. And I just think for anybody who is at school and just wants to kind of have this mindset of a little side business or they're probably listening to a lot of these inspirational people on YouTube anyway. But I think there's no harm in just actually just starting something. You might be interested in football, then maybe make a little football commentary podcast or make a football commentary uh, YouTube video. Or maybe you've got some sick skills at football and actually maybe why not film yourself doing certain skills on Instagram or maybe you put them on TikTok and you kick do kick-ups to a certain song or I just think at the end of the day there's no harm in like producing content that's around something you enjoy and Mm -hmm. you don't know where it might lead you you don't know what doors that might open you might do a cool little kick-up thing on on Instagram and suddenly like a a football brand like Nike spots you and says oh can we put you in a part of our advert and that makes you a load of money like doing that so it's just you never know where it's going to come from but at the end of the day it's just something where it keeps you creative it it kind of it's opening up these doors for you that you might not know and it's building out your network really and I just think there's just so many different aspects to it and I think if I was a young person yeah obviously there's a lot of rubbish on on these channels as well but if you take it seriously and you're you're inspired by other people who are maybe older or doing something you'd like to do and you just start doing it yeah it's not going to look as good because they've been doing it for years but there's no harm in trying to build something and actually learning these skills because even if nobody ever nothing comes of it you might end up in a role that says oh i saw you've got like three thousand followers and you love this sort of thing and the role you're going into is a marketing role and it's around this subject which is similar to what you do on your instagram that might be enough to get you the job 
Now, now uh, a lot of the predictions are saying that you should be working on the economy of California. And to be honest, I'm not the economy. And what are some of the disadvantages of working in the economy? Sorry about that. Blessing, there was a little bit of, I don't know if you can hear it, but the connection was a little bit bad just then. Um, no worries, that's fine. Um, yeah, I was just talking about the, the gig economy. Um, what, what's your understanding of the gig economy and what are some of the advantages and disadvantages uh, of working in the gig economy? Um, so the gig economy, I think, I mean, that was very much a, uh, a phrase I heard a lot when I was... Uh, going into like when I was doing content producing at V Inspired everyone was saying like this is going to be the new way that people are going to work the gig economy but I actually think that's just already how people work nowadays whether people have a job or a side gig or or stuff like that I think the gig economy is great and I think it works for a lot of people and I know I've done a podcast on powerful answers about the gig economy mm -hmm. and I, I pretty much worked that way back in the past where you have lots of little jobs different odd jobs here and there I think at one point I was doing personal trading and I was doing video content and I was also like working so it's kind of like I, I think it can work for people and obviously it means that you've got multiple skill sets I think one one positive way to look at it is like I, I know like you've read all these books it's like well how the millionaires make their money they usually have mm -hmm. over like five streams of income and it's also more protective like during covid i know a few friends who've been made redundant because they had one stream of income whereas if you if you become someone who has multiple streams of income which again loads of books available on that multiple streams of income being one i think that's the best way to kind of protect yourself a lot of the time in terms mm -hmm. of like if one if one like that's how i felt when i had a job when i had the best way of thinking about the gig economy in some ways is saying well um when you have a job you have one person that pays you and then when you have uh when you have like when you're self-employed you have maybe eight different companies that or eight different clients that pay you and so if one client decides to drop off you've still got seven but if you lose your job you've got no income and so i feel like the gig economy works well because it allows you to have like multiple streams of income and maybe they're in multiple ways. Maybe your TikTok makes you a certain amount of money, your Instagram makes you a certain amount of money, or maybe you just actually have a physical job where you deliver stuff and that makes you money. So I just think there's no harm in having multiple multiple gigs. I, I say that myself now, obviously my business is my core income. Mm -hmm. um, I do have like a rental property as a, as a, as a side income as well. So it's just kind of like how you build out as many different uh, streams for yourself. I think nowadays, why not? If you can do it and you've got the time mm -hmm. and it means you can do them well, then yeah, why not have multiple streams of income and uh, embrace that gig economy? Because the gig economy could be, like I say, you might set up a Fiverr account and you've got 10 different gigs where one, you make photos for someone, one, you edit photos for someone, one, you edit videos for someone, one, you touch up photography for someone. What, like there could be so many different skill sets that your digital content producing allows you to uh, make available for people. And it just means you've got 10 different ways to get paid ultimately. Hmm. Um, now, are there any disadvantages of working in the uh, gig economy? Uh, what are some of the downsides that you've seen when you were working uh in the in the gig economy um i think initially it can be a bit like overwhelming because i know with me when i was doing my video work sometimes you'd have multiple jobs on at once like it seemed like when it rained it poured like one month or like a week you could go with no video work and then next week you got four uh, four gigs on and you've it's quite overwhelming at times but mm -hmm. then i think that's kind of what you expect um other than that i'm i'm not too sure really because i feel like 
one the po I always just look at the positives that were for me because it was like, mm -hmm. yeah, I could earn the same money as working in my job a lot faster, maybe whether that takes two weeks instead of a month. And so for me, the gig economy was quite, it worked for me in terms of how I set up. But yeah, sometimes it can be a little bit overwhelming when you have a have a lot of um client or a lot of jobs on at once or maybe you can't give your full attention when you have one job you've only got one person you're accountable to whereas mm -hmm. when you've got multiple gigs sometimes you've got eight different people asking for revisions on something or wanting something changed or not happy with something or so it's like eight times the bosses rather than <laughs> just <laughs> having the one boss basically yeah but overall the, the, the as i say the positives for me outweighed the, the the negatives and so for me it was something that i really enjoyed doing and at that time it was yeah it was just uh, it was more i was kind of like learning at eight times the speed because i'm doing eight different types of roles for different mm -hmm. people so it was just kind of like adding more strings to my bow great now uh, i just want to end uh on some of your recommendations of podcasts and, and books uh i know from you know speaking to you i think learning and development is quite a key area uh, in any sector if you're working in content producing or running your own business uh having some books and podcasts to go to to get some advice uh it's quite a good thing to do so what will be your recommendation of podcasts or books that young people sh should check out uh in terms of learning about content producing um i i remember back in the day i used to always listen to uh, a podcast called smart passive income and it was obviously everyone's have passive income but it was something where he would always interview lots of different like and it usually around like content producing or digital kind of con uh, businesses so smart passive income was a really good one um obviously tim ferris uh four hour work week he had a book and the, he's got the book and the podcast i really enjoyed that um Gary V has always been someone who's sort of inspired me as a sort of content guru himself. Um, what other ones are there? Uh, how they built this. I love listening to like startup stories in terms of like how certain businesses got start started up. Um, in terms of like great content producers and marketers, you've got people like Seth Godin. If you listen to Seth Godin, I think he's one of the most incredible sort of content producers out in terms not, I wouldn't say he's a content producer, but he tells you why you're making the content. He does make content, obviously he makes podcasts, he's got lots of books, but um, he's someone who sees marketing in a very unique way. Um, and I just think once you start with a couple of these podcasts, they tend to like branch off into multiple other podcasts. Um, as, as I say, I think one of the most amazing things is like just exposing yourself to new things. I remember like when um, when I met you, Blessing, I think you were like really young at the time, like 16 or maybe even younger. And I was working the role and I remember just speaking to you and being like, I had a job and you were like this young entrepreneur who had a business. And I was like, wait a minute. On, doesn't everybody have to get a job and you were and then you would like oh yeah i've just sold my cleaning business i was like what the hell like how'd you do that at 15 and then and then at that time it kind of like you you your own experience exposed me to business and like thinking wow i didn't really realize you could just like create a business and it, it was that easy and like not easy i'm sure it was tough but it was like just to realize that wow at that age you can actually create something that makes you money directly personally mm -hmm. rather than having to give your cv to someone to help you make money or they have to pay you once a month and i was just like wow so that exposed me to then entrepreneurship which then led me down googling entrepreneurship and then you go on amazon you see what are the best top selling books on entrepreneurship and those books then lead you to certain podcasts and those podcasts lead you to like i, I did a couple of like startup weekends where you meet people who want to start businesses and so it becomes sort of like a 
I don't know, like a tumble where you just keep you keep exposing yourself to more and more stuff, and it actually bright, broadens your like, horizons of what's possible. Mm-hmm. And so, like, f- who knows? From your convers, I had that conversation with you, and then this many years later, I now have my own business. It's like that might not have been possible if I weren't exposed to the possibility of having a business. Mm-hmm. And so, I think at a young age, you've just got to really like expose yourself to p- the potentials and kind of get out of your own sort of mind bubble of what other people around you think is possible and i think reading podcasts and stuff like that will actually make open up your mind not everybody around you will understand it but you will definitely like start looking at the world differently and seeing what's possible and extending your abilities basically That sounds good. Yeah, I think it's you know the key message there is keep on learning. Uh, learning never stops. So mm-hmm. I always encourage people to become lifelong learners uh, and also networking as well. It's not about what you know; it's about who you know. Uh, so always carry on uh, connecting. Um, yeah, cool. Uh, thanks a lot for your time. It's been very interesting to hear your journey in content producing uh, and how uh, you build a career around it, and to hear about your your business as well. So thanks a lot for your time, and uh, hopefully you come back and talk about vegan. Kebab bubs uh, in the future <laughs> yeah that'll be the next one no yes. problem i appreciate yeah. it that's great cool